Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, beautiful people, and welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today is a special guest. She is the epitome of fire. She's a firecracker just like me, and we about to blaze things up. So with me today in the hot seat is Vanessa Suhe Benzan Montero. And let me tell you a little bit about this amazing woman. She is a social worker by trade, having graduated from Arizona State University. She She's the fantastic founder of Sustaining Hope and Wellness and creative CEO of Gather and Heal. Born and raised in Boston, Vanessa Suhe identifies as a biracial Afro-Latina, IVF mama, therapist, speaker, and author. And as Tiffany Haddish would say, she ready. She's passionate about connecting with others through travel, learning, reading, and growth. She's lived in a few different states, gravitating towards warmth and beaches. My type of climate. So without Mm -hmm. further ado, let's welcome Vanessa Suhe Benzan Montero. (laughs) Get it. Got the whole name going. Thank you. This is amazing, and I'm so glad to have you on my show because we've done a collab already together when I was on your show, so it's cool to reverse the roles here, Vanessa. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about something so important, which is a mental health awareness and the work that you're doing in your community as well as on the forefront and in the internet space to really just promote that it is okay to really ask for help. And it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. But before we uh, dive in or jump into the heavy content, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal manner. So are you ready? I am ready. So we could do either an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? I would like to do the rapid fire. Okie dokie. We're playing rapid fire with Vanessa and Genesis. Do, 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 do. I should have Vanessa sing this, y'all, because low-key, I feel like she can really sing. <laughs> That's what I tell myself in the shower anyways when I'm singing, so thank you. <laughs> Question number one. What's your favorite song right now? My favorite song right now? Oh, gosh. Maybe I shouldn't have done rapid fire. My, my brain is blank. Okay, what do I got? energy I don't know who sings it though oh dang it okay question two favorite color green question three what's your drink of choice coffee tea or something else Mm, coffee question four if you could interview anybody on your podcast who would it be and why I am obsessed with the podcasters on Good Moms, Bad Choices, and I would love to have them. I'm trying to figure out how to nicely stalk them. I just, I love their conversations, their energy, how real and down to earth that they are. Okay, well, here is the challenge. 
you should reach out to them within the next two weeks. And when you do, screenshot me so I know you're putting your mouth where your money is and you're turning that into a reality. It's no longer going to be a hope. We are manifesting that y'all are going to do a collab and y'all are going to talk about mama things and blaze it up. That's right. That's right. Let's do it. I'm going to make my note. Okay. And screenshot me because like the song said, don't you hate it when you get screenshot. I love all the artistic vibes and et cetera that you bring. So tell me what is the significant behind some of your tats? Mm. It's funny because my client actually just asked me which one is my favorite. And I was like, I can only pick one. But all of my tattoos have meanings behind them. My most recent one is my half sleeve down here. And it's a mama bear and a baby bear. And then my son's birthday in Roman numerals. Oh, super cool. Mm -hmm. How old is your son now, Vanessa? He just turned three. Oh, okay. I see you, mama. Glow up. Well, it's my baby. Question six. So in your bio, you mentioned IVF. And this is incredible. I'm so glad that technology and et cetera is able to help. What is one tip that you would give to someone that's thinking about going the IVF route? Mm. I would definitely say to, of course, says a therapist, but I don't care. Get emotional support because the medications and the hormones and everything that literally is injected into our bodies gets us very sensitive and very emotional and touching, touching into ourselves in a different way. So just have the support ready, be on friends and family, get some professional support. We're out here. Seven, what is your favorite food? Mm, plantains. Ooh, yes. Okay. Do you like your plantains boiled, fried? You like them super ripe and sweet or green? How do you like your plantains? All, all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. I like the green ones. I like the sweet ones. I like them fried. I love them mashed with some, um, some cheese on it and baked. And then it's just, oh, just all the ways. Now you're making me hungry. I'm going to have to ask my mom to make me some plantains. <laughs> question eight. Okay. Have you ever got the question, what are you? Because like you're all mixed up and then people are like, mm, your features are different. And mm-hmm. I'm like, are they? I didn't know mm-hmm. that your face was different. <laughs> I love that response. <laughs> For those who may be asking, because I've gotten the question before, what are you? So let's break it down. What is Mm. your origin, Vanessa? Mm. So like you read, born and raised in Boston, my mother's Italian and my father's Dominican. But whenever, you know, people look at me, they don't see Italian. So (laughs) it's in there, just not as strong as the Dominican side, hence the plantains. I love that girl. I'm about to go to my Dominican friend tomorrow so she could blow my hair out. And there we go. I was like, I want my curls just a little, a little stretch for a little bit so I could get them trimmed. Um, nine. Ooh, here's a good one. Would you rather a dream car, dream home, or hell with it? Let's go big and have both. Mm, I mean, oh hell, let's have both. <laughs> so, what would your dream car be? 
my dream car would be, I don't know, I'm not into like labels and types of cars, but I just need something that is a dope green, a Jeep. Then I could take the doors off and go to the beach. And yes, Jeep. And question 10, it is our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? Let's play. I made it this far. (laughs) (laughs) Last question. What is one moment that you enjoyed from your big day that you wish you could recreate? What big day? Any big day that I choose? Yeah. I'll, I'll let it be a wild card for you. I like that. So my big day, I would say, is the day that we, oh, there's two. No. I love the image of the big day when they implanted the embryo for my son. And I like, I can close my eyes and I can still see us while we were waiting in the hospital room. And then when they brought us back and then we got the um, ultrasound images, which I think is really dope and unique to be able to see the exact moment when the embryo was implanted and have that um, as an ultrasound image. So I would love to do that again. Just that part though, just the last part. (laughs) Just the last part? (laughs) Just that last part. Interesting, Vanessa. See, now you almost make me want to have a bonus question to follow up to see if your reaction was the same as your better halves. Because sometimes our better halves, they don't have the same viewpoint as as us, but we're like, we're in this together. We're in this together. You feel Mm -hmm. me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think his reaction was the same. His reaction was very excited and I could, you know, could feel the love. And I think for myself, there was this additional layer of being able to, to hold on to this memory that's different than other people's memories as they get pregnant and move forward. See, that's why I needed a follow-up question because it's, this is also building into our topic of mental health and et cetera, mm-hmm. because sometimes the way we think and process things may be different than how our partner, our spouse, or however you report um, to -hmm. that significant person in your life. And they don't realize that their response to what we're going through can either heighten what we're going through mentally, Mm. or it could diminish it. And then that causes us to retreat and close down when they may want us to open up but we don't feel like it's receptive to do so. So on that note, thank you for playing rapid fire. Now let's get into this hot topic that is necessary because it's it's hot when it's in the media, when something happens like gun violence or et cetera. And they're like, oh, they were mentally challenged or mm-hmm. they had some form of um, mental breakdown or et cetera. But why do we only talk about mental breakdowns and mental issues whenever something tragic happens. We should be talking about it beforehand so we could be proactive and not reactive. Mm -hmm. And it's just ridiculous because we all know that 
the mental health industry is booming, but it's booming because of the pharmaceuticals that they're getting these people on. And sometimes they may not necessarily need those medicines, but because mm -hmm. pharmaceutical companies are offloading it on physicians, physicians have to do their part and offload it onto the patients. These patients get on these medications and there's different side effects. And before you know it, they're walking around like a ticking time bomb or a zombie when there may be other natural modalities and remedies to help them overcome some of the things that they're going in. Yeah. I'm not an expert in this area. So Vanessa, I'm going to need you to do the heavy lifting here. Um, so talk about what made you get involved in the work that you're doing and what are some of the myths that you have seen around this topic and how can we, you and I, who's having a transparent conversation, educate other people to have more real, honest conversations about this without having judgment? Mm -hmm. You said it, you started it off perfectly when you were talking about mental health breakdowns, right? Or crises, or the fact that we're in a pandemic and now tons of people are reaching out for therapeutic supports, which I'm glad that people are in recognizing that these times are very challenging. But at the same time, it, it still saddens me so much to think about how, how many people continue to push through, right? And just say, I'm just gonna keep chugging along. It's okay, I'm fine, so on and so forth. When when your body is sending you very different messages, when your behaviors are showing you that you need a break or you need to talk to someone about this or you need some additional supports. Um, I think about it on a scale of like one to 10 and 10 being that breakdown that I can't control what's happening or I feel like I can't control what's happening in my body and in my mind. And so I really like to encourage people to recognize some of the earlier, sometimes maybe more subtle signs that you're having a really hard time. And it's okay at that point to reach out for some additional supports, which like I said, with the IVF question, going through that process, when you are looking for a reproductive medicine professional, you should also be looking for a mental health professional that can support you through this journey right from the beginning. Don't wait till you're about halfway through or, you know, unfortunately, if your first round of IVF doesn't work and you have to go for a second one and then you get a therapist. No, we really as a community and as a whole have to do a better job of stepping back from being so reactive and looking for interventions when we have a lot of resources, both internally and externally, to do more preventative work, right? Uh, and it doesn't, doesn't have to be medicine either, right? I'm a talk therapist for a reason first. <laughs> I love I love all of that because the, the big thing was sometimes you have to step back, take a few steps back, woo-saw, balance mm. yourself out, out, and just come to the realization that you may be like, yes, I'm not okay, but I'm going to work on becoming okay. And I'm going to do what I need to do in order to get myself on the right track. So with intervention, it's going to allow me to have prevention so I could be proactive instead of reactive and do something that I may regret that can cause bodily harm to myself, mm. harm to other people, 
or detriment to my family because what I am doing is not conducive and it's also affecting my family whether or not they say it or not. Because a lot of times mm. whenever someone is going through something mentally, their family is also affected because they want to help you, but they don't know how because what you're displaying can some days you may be on a high, other days you may be on a low and you may pop off. And if you get the 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 wrong family member, like I'm gonna be real, Genesis, mm. you know, some days I could be half holy and half hood. Mm. And with these pregnancy hormones, you just never know. <laughs> they just may pop off and you know, before you know it, it's like boom, a fist to that's the face right. or whatnot. And, you know, that's not cool, but this is reality because we've seen a lot of people who have had mental health crises have also been products of domestic violence based on some mm. of the statistics. And it's because they were in a household where, you know, just the things went south real quick. But what would have happened if we brought that to the forefront and just had an open and honest conversation and started to do different techniques to mitigate it? And there's so many modalities out there. There's acupuncture, which I've heard can really help. There's well, acupressure. acupuncture. Mm -hmm. There is um, now, what's the other form? There's neurolinguistics programming, NLP. Mm. Some people are using hypnosis. Some people are using theta healing. People are connecting with their chakras. I believe there's seven. And there's different forms of things that are outside of Western medicine that have been proven to help people who are going through certain things. And just because you have a form of um, something that is saying me um, mental incapacity, you are not incapable of getting your life back on track. Mm. And I want you to let that marinate in for a little bit because people love to put negative stigmas around mental health when in actuality, I think all of us are a little mental and insane because we've done some crazy stuff. And depending on where you go in the world, people are like, you did what? Mm, what? Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, let's, let's just be real. Cause like some people may think I'm crazy based on certain things, but that's their view. That's their viewpoint. I don't mm -hmm. have to allow their views to make me feel a certain way or act a certain way. Right. Right. I like to tell my clients that's their stuff. That's not yours. So you can leave that over there, whether it be their opinions or their perspectives of you or whatever it might be, that's their stuff. And it has to be a conscious thought process to remind ourselves when we are allowing too much of other people's stuff to seep into how we show up for ourselves and our loved ones and how much of other people's stuff we let seep into our functioning and our joy, mm -hmm. right? Um, the piece that you were talking about in regards to acupuncture and you know, outside of Western medicine, the things and the modalities outside of Western medicine, I get so excited. I can like feel the tingling in my body as I'm talking about this, but <laughs> they've been around for centuries, okay? I just, I was just in a class last night where we were talking about chakras and so many different cultures across the world have a version of talking about chakras. It looks different. The number is different. Where it is in and around your body is different, but they were talking about the same thing our energy centers and how they impact our emotions and how our emotions move through us. Mm -hmm. This so it's all so powerful. 
And sometimes we get it and it makes sense and we can move through things. And other times, other snapshots in our lives, we need some additional support and that's okay to do, right? We don't have to thug through it on our own and be so individualistic. We're community-based people. We need to be doing things in community. <laughs> yes, because Rome wasn't built in a day and neither was this world. And we all need each other to come together to make this a better place. And I love that with the work that you're doing from a social worker aspect, then also being a clinical supervisor, which I'm going to dive into that. Um, and then you're also decolonizing mental health and how your, how your two companies do that. So let's highlight on that first, how your two companies are doing that. And then we're going to talk about the work that you're doing, because in a male dominated field where there's not a lot of people that look like you, that could affect your mental health too. Real talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure can. So with my first company, Sustaining Hope and Wellness, it's more, it's, it's a little bit closer to the traditional therapy route, right? Where it's individual therapy, or it might be couples or group therapy. And even with that, though, we take a very different approach in making sure that each individual that we're meeting with each week that we meet with them, we're supporting them in whatever way it might be that they need, not based on what insurance companies are telling me to do, not based on what a particular modality says, like, oh, you're in step three, Vanessa, this is what's next. But my client's presenting in a way that step three, it's not the time for it. I'm good with throwing step three out the window and you know, providing those supports that my client needs at that time. And then we switch over to Gather and Heal, which is my newer company. And that says, we heal in community, we heal together, right? So there are experiences in your life that I can learn and grow from. And there's experiences in my life that you can learn and grow from. And that's what we curate in our discussions, in our reflection questions that we send out for people and in our panel discussions, right? Let's talk about all the things that people try to tell us are taboo and try to tell us we should not be talking about that. Shh, that's for behind closed doors or don't air out all the laundry. It's not about that. It's about us growing collectively, healing our collective traumas that our ancestors held and that got passed down to us and looking forward to our future generations and saying, we're gonna do things differently, right? I loved it. My client was at home this week. We were doing a session and her son came in a room and she was like, baby, I'm in therapy. Can I tell you my heart lit up? Because her transparency and just telling her little human, I'm in therapy right now. He was like, oh, okay, mommy. And then he went back out to the, to the living room, right? What? We wouldn't have seen that 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you wouldn't tell anybody you were in therapy. So that's the change. That is the um, type of discussion and moving forward that I try to hold space for. And in decolonizing it by saying, it's not all Western medicine. That is not the cure-all. It is not all about individual talk therapy. That side note, predominantly the models were created by older white men. That wasn't made for us. So of course I'm gonna have to tweak it. And of course I will tweak it. Yeah. And I just love that 
we can have a transparent conversation. We could also be the building block to create a new pathway. Um, yes, we'll have some of the remnants of things that did work, but what didn't work, we're gonna tweak it in order to make sure that it is working for the current state and environment that we're in, as well as making it conducive for that individual that is coming to us, because what they need may not be that one size fits all. They need something different because they're individually going through something that may be on a different playing field and wavelength. And that's okay because each one of us was uniquely created but what we can do is build a life group and support each other and build upon each other and put back the human part of humanity and let people know that we're going to do it together. This fight is not yours by yourself. We're mm -hmm. here to support. We're here to build community. We're here to talk about it. If we need to cry together, we're going to cry about it because the tears are cleansing. We're mm. going to do whatever we need to do. If we need to get a punching bag and punch it out, we're going to get some physical activity in, but then we're That's also going to release some frustration. Mm -hmm. if whatever we need to do, if we need a journal, if we need to do music therapy and sing kind of like the guy was singing in the movie Taxi, this will be, dun, dun, right. dun. and he was just <laughs> driving. If we need to do that, even if you can't hit a note, do that because that's going to help you just release. The mm -hmm. most important thing is to release the inner demons, inner frustration, and let it go, like they say mm -hmm. in Frozen. Let it go, let it go. Yes. And I was like, if I hear that song one more time, but it's so true. You have to <laughs> let it go in order for new things to take root. So I love the work that you're doing, Vanessa. And when I say I love it, I really do love it because this subject is not taboo. It is relevant. Mm -hmm. It is real. And this should apply to people from, I would say, elementary school all the way up into adulthood because now we see that there have been elementary school students taking guns to school. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, in my generation, I'm a millennial. We weren't thinking about that. We were thinking about playing on the playground and et cetera. So what is coming with our society? Mm. It is mm. so heart-wrenching. And you see different kids who are struggling with their identity crisis, which I'm not here to smash anybody on what you do is what you do and you love who you love and etc and I'm not here to say that but when a child is struggling with their identity crisis when a child doesn't know who they are and they're talking about taking their own life when they're talking about harming another student and all this stuff we should be concerned genuinely concerned what mm -hmm. is going on because we know it was not like that years ago yeah and it's, you know, the part that you said around paying attention to the environment, right? Because our environments growing up, I'm a millennial as well, our environment and what was happening in society and in our cultures is very different than what our young people are navigating now. And that's a part of it. We have to be able to recognize it's time to pivot. It's time to provide different kinds of supports, provide, you know, there are therapists who work with children, right? Zero to five is a very much um, a specialty for therapists. And it's because people that little need supports too. It doesn't matter like how old you are, because the piece that we have to remember is that our bodies 
are what holds our stories and our messages and our experiences. So even if someone is pre-verbal, it doesn't mean they're not having emotions and feelings and trying to navigate different things and holding on to what's happening in their environment. And that's the part that we need to pay attention to as adults. How much are we in our heads that we need to step into and feel what's happening in our bodies to, to probably better address it? Absolutely. And then I want to touch on one more thing before we jump into the call to action, because I really want to be um, mindful of your time commitment, Vanessa, because I know I only had you for 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> one thing I want to say really quick before I jump into uh, you working with a male, males that don't look like you um, and being a supervisor. One thing I, I really want to say that is heart wrenching based on what we're talking about is even though you may not understand where a person is coming from, never dismiss their emotions and feelings because it is personal to that individual and you would never understand unless you were in that person's shoes and mm -hmm. situation. And we have to be mindful when someone is going through something from a mental standpoint, the last thing they need to hear is judgment or assumptions mm -hmm. from someone else that is not walking out the trial or the tribulation that they're in. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that each one of us could do a better job at is when someone comes to you, they're coming to you because they want to confide in you and they feel you're a trusted source. But if you react to them in a way that is not conducive, they're not going to come to you and open up. And you may be that person saving grace. So really think about that. Listen mm -hmm. non-judgmentally. Don't uh, make assumptions and don't pass on preconceived notions and biases because you don't know what mental state that they're that they're in. You don't know if they're on their breaking point or if they're on the point where they're getting ready to metaphorically speak and jump off a ledge. So we really need to be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. Well said. So um, the last question before we jump to the call to action, um, Vanessa, is you mentioned being a clinical supervisor in a predominantly white field. So why is it important to support the masters of social work interns on their journey, as well as other people who are coming up in the ranks? Because I feel like coming from a male dominated field, such as oil and gas, where it was a whole lot of white males, sometimes they begin to beat us down. And here you are trying to provide for yourself and your family, but you don't even feel welcome in your work environment, but you're mm -hmm. doing it as a means to an end until your side businesses are fully taken off. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do it, right? <laughs> because I know that we are in, a social work is a predominantly white field. And it's predominantly white women when you look higher up the ranks and then you look at board members and like CEOs and it's usually white men. And that can also still be harmful to supervisees, whether you're already working in the field or if you are you know, working on your masters. And so it's important to me and I say this to the schools that I collaborate with, I hold space for black and brown women of the diaspora clinically and as a supervisor, because the black and brown women who are coming up and working on their masters in social work don't need a racist supervisor. They don't need a supervisor who won't understand a particular intervention that they're trying to do because different experiences. And so I want my clinicians to come in and feel heard, 
have the opportunity to feel comfortable and say like, hey, Vanessa, can we challenge this a little bit? Can we take a look at this particular model? Um, solutions focused therapy is one that I had a discussion with the supervisee just this week. She was like, ah, you know, I really don't, I don't see how this could work across the board. And I was like, good, keep challenging it. Let's have this discussion because I want you to build that confidence and feel that calm and clear understanding in the work that you're doing as a clinician. And I will do as much as I can to hold that space for you so that if and when you do go work somewhere else, and maybe you do have a white supervisor, that if they question you, you will not be questioning yourself because you will know this is, this is right. This is what I need to do as a clinician in order to best support my client. Amazing. And thank you for that. And just um, being a voice within the community and just making sure that people that look like you and I are seen as well as heard, and they're also mm -hmm. respected and they feel empowered to go out and make change, even though it may go against the grain and the status quo. So Vanessa, let's jump into the call to action. What is your call to action for the audience today? So for the audience, we are still in our co-creating space of Gather and Heal. And so for the year of 2022, our monthly membership fee is $5. And I am really calling all of the black and brown women, predominantly millennials, but a little bit older and a little bit younger are also welcome and come through, come through and talk to us, join us in self-reflection and community reflection. And if you are in a white body, you can head on over to the website and make a donation so that way we can continue to do this work and continue to reach more women and strengthen our communities and amplify our voices. Amazing. Now, plug that contact information. How? What's the website? Where do you hang out on social media? And if you want them to reach out to you via email and you feel compelled, do that too. Mm -hmm. So our website is gatherandheal.us and our Instagram, because that's where we hang out mostly on, on social media is gather.heal. Couldn't do a little ampersand sound on, on Instagram. And if you want to email, please feel free to do so. Hey at gatherandheal.us. Amazing. And Vanessa, thank you so much for coming here, chopping it up, having a real conversation about a real topic that truly matters, that more people need to be discussing. No matter what you look like, everybody has struggled with some form of mental illness. Yes. And if we are really looking at ourselves in the mirror, as MJ says, look look at the man in the mirror I would say look mm. at the woman in the mirror and just yeah. ask yourself have I ever needed um to talk to a therapist have I ever felt like I was on a mental break based on life circumstances and if so then allow that to be a catalyst that is going to catapult you to engage in a transparent conversation mm. make sure you um like comment, subscribe, and follow. We're on 40 plus platforms. Vanessa's contact information will be in the show notes. So all you need to do is read, scroll on down and tap in and support Vanessa. And then for those of you who like to see video, this recording is on our YouTube channel. 
You can find that by going to GEMS, G-E-M-S, with Genesis of Mars Kemp. And we are looking for brand ambassadors as well as sponsors. Spaces are limited. So send me an email to genesisofmarskemp at gmail.com or check out the website genesisofmarskemp.net to learn more information, how you can support and contribute because your support will not go in vain. Once again, this podcast is ranked in the top 2% out globally out of 2.8 million podcasts, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without you. So until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Mm. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.